Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christ. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the Sunday of the publican and the Pharisee. Uh, They're sort of extremes, the two of them. And uh, in our homily today, we will try to figure out uh, what extreme we are. So anyway, uh, this time of year as we approach the holy season of Great Lent, I recall the scripture passage, the lips of our Lord, When you've done everything, you've done nothing. So the problem with the gospel today is this. Pharisee was very happy with himself. The publican, probably not because he was not respected by the community because of the jobs he did. But was he honest with God? In the gospel, God says he is just. The first just man that uh, God came in contact with was Adam. Exactly what does just mean? Uh, There can be volumes written about that. Something like the Boy Scout Oath or something, you know? I think it's hard for us to look at ourselves and with honest humility to say that we are so graced that we are just. However, every day we should make our examination of self, conscience, as they say, usually in the monastery. That's done at the end of Compline. We have a quiet period. Not too long, but long enough. And we use that to examine the day in our conscience. Now, not everybody is as fortunate as we to live in a monastic community of Cenobites. But as you grow in your life with your other brothers, you realize maybe you're the most unjust person in the community. That does not mean you shouldn't be there. There's all the more reason to be there. Justice is a person who is a state of divine energies. 
living grace. And our problems are simple. We don't like to particularly um, take a, listen to our conscience, and we don't like to uh, find things there that are incompatible with our lives, with what we're trying to live. Now remember, perfection is in the living of the life of Christ in you, and only he will know when you achieve the level he wants you to be. So that's a two-edged sword. Yes, we can hope or pray, it's best to our consciously know we're not living in a sinful life. And we can hope and pray for holiness, but we're somewhere in between the two. But the important thing is this, to be on the journey. So I used to go to confession and say to the confessor, well, I'd end my confession by asking the confessor to pray for me to remove obstacles in my life, achieving that destiny of holiness which Christ the Lord desires of me. That's almost pride. I've changed from that. I think the best thing to say to God and his blessed son are, may God be merciful to me, a sinner. That's what the just man in the gospel says today. So we can become pretty complacent and we're very fortunate we have everything, don't we? We have the gospel. We have the sacraments of initiation. Especially we have the Eucharist. With all these gifts, I still fail. Like a quotation I gave you, when you've done everything, you've done nothing. Well, that quotation was given probably to a mature person. Because younger people are always badgered by their passions. They need our prayers, and they need our example, and they have to feel that we have love for them even if they're struggling, which they always are. So I had a priest friend, and uh, I won't tell you too much about him, but he told me every Lent he would uh, um, fast for a person he thought needed to be converted. I think we should fast for other people. We better fast for ourselves. 
and maybe you can drag somebody else with you. One Sunday, at the beginning of Lent, we have Forgiveness Sunday. And we always ask for forgiveness of our neighbor, usually at Vespers, but sometimes in the parish church on Sunday at the liturgy. Now, my monks know my faults. I still every year get up and ask them for forgiveness. I know my monks, and I know they struggle. And I say to God, when they make their confession faults that time, forgive them because they're trying hard. They're living a penitential life. So I read an article this week about somebody criticizing our church because the model of uh, sanctity in our church is John the Baptist. Strange man who ate strange food, lived a strange life, but was constantly in prayer. And most people, the biggest problem of holiness is that it's like it's practical. But then you have to ask yourself, why did God put me here? Now, to repeat this many times, it was in the Pentecostalism old days. Uh, the nuns would teach us the catechism. And they were pretty nice ladies. And they'd say, question to us, why did God make me? The question I still remember was answered by, to know him, love him, and serve him, and be happy with him in this world and the next. Almost, not constantly, but frequently, I meet people who are unhappy because they're trying to make themselves happy. They're not happy with their circumstances. Somebody has something they would like to have. That's childish. I'm at the stage of life, actually, I can have anything I want. There are things I want, only God can give me spiritual things. The monastery we live in a simple life. And people say, how can you do that? And uh, I, I say, well, I have everything I need. And the monks, most of them, even if they're struggling, they'll give you the same answer. So we have these different stories of the monks. And it's funny, our entertainment most of the time for watching something on the on television. We don't have television, but I like some of the series and sometimes we get it on the computer and we have a screen for our computer, a TV screen. 
So anyway, uh, some things fascinate me. We got a, a course now or films on New York, the elite of New York, and it's called the Gilded Age. And I love that Gilded Age of New York. I haven't seen the series, but I've read about it. It's a good novel about it. Of course, they were privileged people with great wealth before the taxes got to them. They had difficult lives. Great wealth is a convenience. So if you need anything, you have the money to get it. It doesn't necessarily make you happy or mean you're going to be pleased. Because I find out today in our society, people are not nice. I was recently went to uh, New Jersey to give a retreat to the eparchical priest. I told the bishop I couldn't do that. I said, let's get somebody more qualified. He says, I have who I want. You'll be okay. Thank God the retreat was accepted well by the fathers. And um, even among the fathers, there are this discontent for good reasons. And the priest, the bishop, of course, Kurt, was a great man, but his life was one of slavery. He says, all, I did, all, we, all year I go burying priests up and down the coast. Or I'm dating priests. Or I'm making sure the diocese is solvent. See, you look at the great ones. I always looked on bishops as very important and great. They have a sacrificial life. Oh, they have. They are investments. Beautiful chalices, gorgeous churches. I have all that too, and I'm not a bishop. I'm a mitered archpriest, Dr. Mandrake. And I enjoy all those things. But I only can enjoy them in as much as they are good for the church and for my eternal salvation. So a lot of women... We love women, it's our nature, even when they're naughty. They think about rich men, handsome men, and maybe they think, well, if I marry that guy, I won't have for need for anything. But I remember when I was Mayapac, it was a strange place, way up in New York State, near Westchester, very wealthy, 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 wealthy. And this woman broke into the rectory. She ran in the front door. I ran out the back door and got in the car and drove away. It scared me. 
And hearing confessions there in this affluent society, they weren't happy. They had more than they needed, but they did not have time for each other. Especially if they're trying to keep up with their neighbor. They forgot the reason God gave them all this. And priests, most priests are very happy. But I met a few that did not take joy in their ministry, which is a gift from God. Everything else they'll get anyway. I met many, many people in the military. A fellow called me yesterday and told me his name. I said, I apologize, I don't know. I said, but I know thousands of people. He says, I realize that. We have to pray for him today. His father was very ill. He didn't listen to the doctor. He has gangrene and his feet are bad. He will not live. And he's been, he doesn't like it. The boy doesn't like it. He says, are you taking care of your father? He says, I wash his feet all the time. I don't like it. I just like it. Jesus likes you for doing that. Do the things in life not because they're for yourself. If you do them for God, you're going to benefit anyway. You may think poorly of yourself. That's okay. But God may think wonderful of you. That is yet to be known in the heavenly kingdom. Now, I'm pretty sure the intention of the fathers in selecting this uh, gospel as a preparation for Lent, these are preparatory Sundays, in the, uh, another lectionary years ago, long before our time, these Sundays were part of Lent. But it got confusing and they got can they change the calendar and this and that? So now they're preparatory Sundays. We have new Sundays for Lent, you know, for about a thousand years now we are. But anyway, I think they prepared this, chose this gospel to try and make a contrast for us of the person who's humble and knows he's a sinner, but God loves. That has lost most of his pride. If you have not lost your pride, you will soon lose it as you age and you prepare to die. What is the joy in life then? Knowing you're doing God's will. Doing God's will is the just man. So, 
if you're not doing God's will, talk to God about it. So that you understand how to overcome yourself. So, in the holy books, and from the Syrian, I'm reading Carol Beautiful Stuff. If you go to Salton, I'm reading it before I go to bed at night. Part of my night prayers. And uh, it talks about us. He's talking about himself. And it gives me a lot of hope. A great saint like that, you're from the Syrian. It's magnificent. But he sees all these faults that he has, and I really can see beauty in him and in his prayers. Of course, he's a saint. We have to all be saints. Don't let me waste my whole life with you if you don't become a saint. It's the only worthwhile thing to do. Now, we're just a corner around from Great Lent. It's the 40 days we give as a tithe to God of the 365 days our tithe of penance. And I don't want you to make your penances harsh. I don't think I impress God doing that. I want you to do things like this. Renew your daily prayer life. Come to the Eucharist as as equal as you clearly you possibly do, at least on Sundays and feast days. Be patient with me and my monks, for I'm so getting I'm sort of slow. I take all sort of not all sort of medication, but some of it is to try to reverse, and it's good for me. I'm not sick or I'm okay, but it slows me down quite a bit. But put up with me. I'm part of your Lenten penance. And my monks ask the same of them. But I want you to do something a little harder. I want you to fall in love with penance. There was a great saint who wrote the writer, I think. And... uh, he was very talkative. I'm like that too. God does not like it. Idle gossip. I like that. I like to talk. I'm getting better though. I hope. And so he talks so much in the in the monasteries on Sinai. They have a wonderful film out on Sinai. You should see it. You can find it on the your computer. So anyway, the monks told him, uh, you know, you're a, dist- you're a disturbance in the monastery. So, it said, he said, you can walk up, you stay up on the mountain where Moses stayed. 
He's up there 40 years. He turned beautifully white. Energies were coming out of him. He wrote a beautiful book, The Ladder, which we read during Lent in the monastery. And we can never figure just where we are on the ladder. But it points out for you your goals. But those goals can only be achieved when they're given to you to please, to please God. He achieves those goals in you. Beautiful. So finally, this castaway, they go up the mountain. They bring him down. He says, you're the abbot. Shocking. My dear brothers and sisters, you're going to become so beautiful if you learn to live the ascetical life. And you you behold yourself in the Taboric light before God, you'll be shocked. Beautiful. Shocked because of the pain you went through Shocked because of the longings you had. Shocked because of the sins you committed. Shocked because you didn't realize that all these things in your life, the sandpaper God was choosing to horn your soul into a saint. Don't run away. Don't please yourself. You have a chamber in your body. It's your heart. In Greek books, they call it the noose. It's hard to translate the noose. But it's the real you. And it dwells in your heart. There's something else that dwells in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit ever since you were chrismated. So you always have the Holy Spirit with you. And in Corinthians it says, and you cannot pray the Holy Spirit prays for you. For you are a temple. Now we look at this temple, it's gorgeous. It's a monument of faith. It's a reflection of heaven. It's what the best we can do for a gift to our Lord. And he rules from the middle of the temple, very Byzantine. Around us are saints who live just like we do, especially the back wall, the Russian saints, and who nobody appreciated, and they murdered them all, just about, and frequently, and not so long ago, somewhere from long ago. They are filled with Taboric light. If you live an ascetical life in your noose, in your inmost being, in your heart, you will have some gifts. First of all, sorrow. Sometimes tears. Sometimes the light of the Taboric light. We have 
I have read of people who have had seen that light. Once you've seen that, you'll long for it. You will see it again in the glory of the kingdom of heaven. Loving God is our desire. Selfishness gets in the way. Love God, loves God for us, purifies us, and through prayer and fasting and suffering, turns us into saints who forth the light of the Trinity. Don't be cool-hearted. Don't say that's for other people. That's the way God you would put you in this world. The reason you were born, the reason you were baptized, chrismated, and set on the body and blood of the Lord is to become a saint who bears in himself the Taboric light of the Trinity. That's what you're about. That's what I'm about. Lent is another beginning. Please enjoy it and do it well. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.